and welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio, a podcast devoted to examining successful marketing strategies driving new business development at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. The podcast is a production of Picture More Business, a corporate photography studio with a core focus on the legal industry. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. In this episode, I am joined by Brian Zimmett, managing partner of the Zimmett Law Group. Brian's practice focuses on real estate and trust and estates planning, while the firm as a whole provides a broad spectrum of services to individuals and corporations. Brian, welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio. Thank you. So let's just start really quickly with an overview of the firm. How many attorneys do you have and and what areas of the law are you you guys focused on? Well, currently we have 11 attorneys and we have three main practice groups, family law, trust and estates, and real estate. And then we have some smaller practice groups, landlord, tenant, and corporate. So what are some of the the business development vectors for the firm? How are you developing business for your practice, for the firm as a whole? And how are you expecting your the other attorneys in the firm to be building their own practices? Where, where does that business generally come from? Well, we have several different revenue streams. One revenue stream, of course, is the internet. We're doing what everybody else is doing. We're trying to SEO, optimize. But our biggest referral source comes from legal plans. Legal plans are legal insurance. The consumer legal market is moving to an HMO model, such as medical. You have medical insurance, you have an HMO. When you need a doctor, you'll go to a preferred provider that is on that particular list. Same thing with legal insurance. You can now buy legal insurance. There's a couple um, couple big players in the industry, a lot of smaller players in the industry. We're on most of those panels. So uh, people are retaining us when they need an attorney. They're buying this insurance. They're going to these panels. They're looking up lawyers on these lists. And uh, they are uh, making phone calls. They're doing their due diligence on all the lawyers they see. And they're finding somebody who they believe can satisfy their needs. When you mentioned this at the meeting where we met a, f- a few weeks ago, I had never heard of this before. You know, how long have plans like this been available? Is this something that's very new or just something that's picking up now and has been around for a long time? It has been around for a long time. You can, you can if you do your research on the, on the market, you'll see the New York Times actually ran an excellent article back in 2004, which highlighted this. So it was, it was prominent then, but as all things, uh, all products go through various growth stages. This, this one is currently in, uh, in, in, a, in a growth uh, major growth stage. Now, is, th- is this for this? I can't imagine that corporate type clients, is this mainly consumer type clients who are looking for these kinds of products? There are plans available for consumers and there are plans available for businesses as well, corporations. At the very least, by signing up to these plans, you're going to receive a discount off of the attorney's hourly rates. And that's most of the benefits offered to corporations. Uh, the consumer end, the plans are different. Some of them, some of the insurance companies will pay 100 cents on the dollar for any problem that somebody has because it is legal insurance. And there's access plans where the consumers would also receive the discount. So a lot depends on the type of plan that you know, the individual has. You know, who are some of the big players? Because I know you've, you, you work through several of them. Who do you find to be the best, both on your end and, and for, the, for the end consumer? Well, the, the big players in the space are uh, MetLife through their, uh, through their affiliate Hyatt Legal Plans, ARAG, and Legal Shield. Those are the, the 800-pound gorillas in the room. And then there's, there's dozens of other small, fa- um, small legal plans which are catered to you know, certain different sectors. 
in that first answer, you mentioned that, that people come to you through these plans. Now, I assume that's because these companies have trusted vendor lists. Correct. You know, how do you get on those lists and how important is it that you be on that list for this revenue stream to work for you? Well, if you're not on the list, there is no revenue stream because what will happen is the consumer will, will call their legal plan and ask for recommendations. And, those, and the legal plan will give several attorneys and then it, you know, the responsibility of the consumer to, to find the law firm which fits. But most plans don't give you an opportunity to go outside the plan because the rates won't be consistent with the rates which are offered by these legal plans. And there'll be no requirement that an attorney that's done on the plan to offer the discount on their hourly rate. How early on did you, you know, focus on getting yourself on these vendor lists through these plans so that you, that you do get this stream? Well, I've been practicing law since 1994. That's when I opened my own practice 24 years ago. Several years later, I started to look for different revenue streams to, to develop. And this, was, this opportunity was presented to me by a friend of mine who was on one of the smaller panels, and he was getting three or four cases a month from it. And uh, I explored. That's originally how I was introduced to it. And then I tackled the industry. I, I you know, know your market. And that's what I really um, went out of my way to learn as much as I possibly can about the product and the players in it. And then over the years, I've reached out to a number of different um, legal plans in the industry. And I've made a priority over you know, several of them uh, for a number of different reasons. They're, they're better fits than some of the other plans. How different is it marketing yourself and describing your firm within those listings versus, you know, building your marketing in, the, in a broader sort of digital domain or the broader legal marketplace? Well, it's like anything else. It's targeting. You know, when you're in the general marketplace, you know, my understanding that lead generation from the internet, it's about a 2% a 1% to 2% retention rate. From the legal plans, it's much, much higher because it's a, it's a defined pool. You're not competing against every attorney in New York City that practices real estate. You're competing against the other real estate attorneys on the panel. Does your marketing message change at all given that, that, that the price aspect is different or is that not something that you even talk about in any of your marketing? It would never come up. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. It's an internal issue. Uh, we, we deal with it in billing. The billing department sends a bill. Whether somebody gets a discount or not, it's, it depends on the originator, where it comes from, which plan send, sends the, uh, the member. Do these clients differ at all from clients you would get through other uh, marketing channels, or are they just the same kind of clients? The type of clients we receive from the plans will vary depending on the plan. There are some very, very high-end plans where we're getting some high net worth individuals. Uh, there are some lower-end plans where we're, we're getting, you know, run-of-the-mill, just normal people. So, but everyone needs to buy real estate. Everybody needs a will. So the products are similar. How do they, do they differ at all, though, between, say, clients that, that come from outside that channel? So if they just come find you on your website and give you a call, you know, are they going to be more or less motivated? Or are they going to be more or less ready to buy or more or less ready to, to hire you? I can't say there's really a difference between where the various clients are in the process when they, when they reach us, depending upon whether they come through a 
one of the panels or whether they come through the internet or a referral. You know, we, we get a lot of referrals from different networking groups. You know, most of my attorneys in our office are in a number of different networking groups where, you know, just recommendations, referrals from, you know, peer to peer works well too. Would it be a big hit if you weren't doing, if you weren't on these panels for these, these plans? Yes, of course. They, they represent a sizable portion of our market share. You know, given that it sounds like they're a, a very effective marketing channel, have, have, do you view them that way? Or are they not even necessarily a marketing channel? They're simply a, a, a referral channel. They're both. Uh, the referral channel is, is very important. The marketing is becoming more and more important because when you do a good job for a client, they're going to remember that. And they're making recommendations to their friends and family. So every person who who's pleased with our services, we look at them as a potential sales rep for us because that's how we get referrals. And that, and that is on, uh, that's the cross-marketing. And that, that works well for certain plans, not as well for other plans. It was interesting when we, at the meeting that we met at when you were describing your practice, you spent almost as much time talking about these legal plans as talking about your actual practice, um, which seems to be a differentiator. Do you play up that you work with these plans, uh, specifically because others don't or few do? Not particularly. There's really no reason for it. There's, there would be no reason to, to talk it up. I, it's nice that when people become aware of it, because what happens is it's generating more signups for the legal plans. When we do a excellent job for a member who is an employee of a company, he's telling his other employees, and it's causing an increase in signups for the plan, which helps the plan, and the dribble-down approach. Eventually, they'll need legal services, and they'll call us. But we don't market it differently. Um, there's no reason to, not that I can see at this point in time. I wanted to segue here a little bit. We ran into each other again a couple weeks ago at, at the Legal Marketing Association CMO Forum. Sure. And I thought it was really interesting. You, I've been part of this group for a couple of years now, and I've never seen or Never is probably too strong a word. I don't recall ever seeing another practicing attorney there. It's always marketing people and marketing vendors and people who have ancillary services. Uh, so it was really interesting to see you there. I'm curious what you were hoping you know, to gain by going to a meeting like that and how you view your marketing in relation to the marketing uh, of bigger firms or, or you know, looking at what these vendors offer. The Legal Marketing Association is an outstanding group. I've only been affiliated with them for about a year, and I've already learned a lot of things. So I'll go to the events whenever I can, and you're, you're correct. I've never met another attorney. <laughs> but I, I, I take out a lot from it. And one of the things that you can learn a lot from big firms, you can learn exactly what not to do because they're, some of them are so large, they're, they're, they're just bureaucracies trying to get anything done. And implement change uh, seems to be very difficult at a lot of these firms, whereas a small firm, it's much more adaptable. Every time I go to one of those events and I listen to uh, people speak with their MBAs in legal marketing and what they're doing, we, we see what could work at the small scale level and, and act accordingly. I brought my marketing director to that meeting and uh, it was time well spent. I mean, you're a relatively small firm. You have 11 attorneys. 11 attorneys. And yet you have an in-house marketing person. Correct. Um, which I was surprised by. 
you know, why did you choose to bring someone in-house rather than have a vendor or, you know, a freelance provider in that space? Well, we costed it out. And there's a lot of things I wanted to do. And uh, there's nobody here who has the time to do it. So she's basically, we call her the director of marketing, and she's spearheading a lot of these projects. So far, so good. Um, very dynamic individual, has her MBA in, in online marketing. And, and we're, we're doing some good things. It's, it's helping. We're, we're seeing results. You know, one of the focuses that you know, you mentioned that when you'd mentioned you'd hired her at the network network meeting was on social media. You know, are are there ties between what you're trying to do with social media and what you're doing with, with the legal plan panels? Yes, they they tie into each other. The social media where we don't have a large presence. That's one of the things she's focusing on. We've never needed a large presence in social media because our revenue was generated other places. But we're we're combining the two. And that is, um, we are spearheading that. And she's working hard on that project. You know, it's interesting to, as you've been talking about both things, just to see that a lot of firms, big and small, see developments like these in the industry as threats, whereas you've seen them primarily as opportunities. Do you, you know, do you see the changes happening in in the industry, these specifically and, and more generally as opportunities to compete in places you couldn't compete before? There's a lot of opportunities out there. And there's a lot of challenges. And a lot of law firms, you know, their, their MO is, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, we don't believe in that philosophy. We have a different philosophy. If it works, it's antiquated. That's how we're, we're always taking different processes and, and taking them apart and trying to find ways to do things better. And we find what's going on with the market share in the legal industry is it's flat. If you look at any of the reports which have been out over the last 12 months or so, you see demand for legal services are flat. And uh, we don't have that. We have growth because we're in a certain space that's really not getting a lot of attention by, uh, by the larger firms. I don't think they'd be necessarily interested in the product, which is great. It actually reminds me of something which happened in the 90s when I was in the internet space, representing some small internet companies and the bigger law firms had no interest at that point in time. Well, fast forward five years and then all the, all the big players, all the big law firms moved into the internet space. I don't see that happening, but you, you never know. <laughs> but I wanted to thank you for, for coming on the podcast. That was great. I, you know, I think it's a very different perspective on, on marketing and developing business for the firm. So I, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. My pleasure. And thank you to our listeners who've joined us for this episode. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. The Legal Marketing Studio can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Wherever you find us, please leave a like or a review. Extended content, including photographs and links, can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there's no .com. It is just legalmarketing.studio. The Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business, a full-service corporate photography studio focused on the legal industry based in Brooklyn, New York, and working with clients nationally. More information can be found at picturemorebusiness.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.